From Leader in Me Studios, I'm Molly Garcia. This is The Empowering Teacher. In my years as an educator, first as a principal of a Leader Me school, and now as a Leader Me coach and podcaster, do you want to know what I think is the most powerful part of the Leader Me process? What single concept is responsible for more life-changing teachers and greater empowerment in a school and classroom? Well, that's today's topic, and we're jumping right in with Sean Covey, New York Times bestselling author and president of Franklin Covey Education, to talk paradigms. Sean, this line will never get old. Welcome back to the Empowering Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much, Molly. It's so good to be back with you. Yeah. So, you know what? Let's just jump right into conversation today. We hear the word paradigm often in education. Can you tell our listeners exactly what is a paradigm and why are they so key? Well, a paradigm is a point of view. It's a perspective. It's like a pair of glasses through which you see the world. And most of the time, we're not aware we even have them. We we think we see the world as it is, as the way things really are. And we don't. We see the world more as as we are. And depending upon how you are preconditioned, you tend to see the picture you were preconditioned to see, right? And because we have different paradigms, we've all experienced so many different things growing up and the way we're wired and our environment, everything, just different lens. So if you think about things like uh, a paradigm, you know, is a worldview too, like uh, the world was once thought to be flat, right? A round world was the new paradigm. Bloodletting was the old paradigm, right? If you're sick, the bad stuff's in the blood, get it out. New paradigm was the germ theory. So paradigms are powerful. They're inherent in all of us. Most of the time, we're unaware we have them, but they filter everything we see. Hearing you say that, a question that's coming to mind for me is actually a question that one of our high schoolers asked is, how do we know if our paradigm is an accurate one? Well, I think it's just through through experience. I know that often a lot of teenagers, having worked with teenagers a lot, when I wrote the Seven Habits Teens book, I remember one young lady said to me, this book has changed my life. And I said, well, what's different? She said, I always thought life was a competition because there's competition everywhere. It's, it's in sports, it's in grades, it's in popularity. And then when I read the Seven Habits Teens book, the idea of win-win just blew my mind that you could actually think win-win and it has completely changed me. And then she said, I used to have this friend of mine that I kind of liked, but I also hated because we were always competing in in drama, in writing contests and such. And she used to drive me crazy half the time. And she said, after reading this book, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, she's not my enemy. She can be successful and so can I. And that's a paradigm shift she experienced just by a new idea, right? And so our paradigms, oftentimes we don't know they're inaccurate until we experience a new one or get taught something, or learn something, or have a change of role. Like oftentimes when people have their first child, they suddenly think, oh, I'm a mother now. It's a a role change, and they see differently. It's that extension of learning, or that extension of just experience, which leads me to this question, Sean. What actually causes that paradigm shift? Let's go a little bit deeper into that. Oftentimes, we have people go through the seven habits, and they have big paradigm shifts, right? 
So good example. They just, you're, you're learning something new. It's somebody that I guess is, has seen clearly that is describing the world as it is in a more accurate way. You know, so you think about the scientific breakthroughs of like the germ theory, right? There's a better way of explaining why somebody gets sick or why there's disease. And it took a leader to do that. And I, I've often thought of Stephen R. Covey, my father, and his work on the seven habits as a scientific breakthrough in the behavioral arts, right? In the behavioral sciences. Because what he did is he kind of nailed some accurate paradigms, like each of the habits represent some principles and some new ways of thinking. The whole idea of begin with end in mind. You know, the paradigm is everything is created twice. First, you know, mentally and then physically. I mean, if you start to think about, oh, that's a more accurate view. If I want to live my life a certain way, I've got to begin with the end in mind now. I've got to build a blueprint now, right? For this relationship, for my job, for my life, for my mission, and so on. Again, it's, it's through learning new things. That's why it's so important to keep reading and to keep growing and going to conferences and challenging yourself and learning from your colleagues and learning from your children sometimes. It can all help shift your paradigm. I love that connection and relationships is what I'm hearing and digging deeper and finding out more information to really know, is it accurate and an opportunity to shift a paradigm for us? You brought up your father, Stephen Covey. One of my favorite quotes by him is in one of our seven habits workshops is if you want to make minor changes in your life, work on your behavior. But if you want to make those significant quantum breakthroughs, work on your paradigms. This is a powerful statement. What do our educators gain when the work begins with our paradigms versus our behavior alone? I remember the first time I visited AB Combs about 12 years ago. Okay. So that would have been. 2010. And I had heard, hey, there's this amazing school that became named the number one magnet school in the country, and they used all your content to do it. <laughs> so I said, well, let's go see it. So I walked in, and I I saw and felt what they had done. They were having a leadership day, and I met the kids, and I was just blown away by it. I went home, and I said to my wife, We've got to move to Raleigh, North Carolina to go to A.B. Combs, have our kids go there. And she said, well, what was different? I thought about it for a second. I said, what was different was the paradigm. Every teacher in the school believed that every child was a genius. I said, that's what I felt. It was amazing. And so I really believe that quote that – you don't change behavior very much or very well until you change the way you view things. And I think what, what Muriel and her team did is they got this paradigm of, you know what? Everyone can be a leader. All these children are leaders and they're all gifted in different ways. And we should magnify those gifts and talents, not just the traditional academic or athletic, but there are myriad talents out there. These kids are geniuses. They're all leaders. And let's um, unleash it inside the school. You know, so we created Leader in Me. And it was the paradigms were the most powerful thing that I witnessed there. I remember a few years into this, going to a school, a couple of schools in a row that were kind of doing everything that A.B. Combs was doing. But something was missing. The culture didn't feel the same. 
And I came home and talked with the team. And I said, I don't know. It's like we're, we're missing something and we've got to capture what AB Combs originally did. What, what is missing? And I realized what was missing was the, the paradigms weren't as strong. And so at that point, we spent a few weeks in a, some deep thinking sessions and some research and said, what are the paradigms that are driving leader and me? And we came up with, you know, everyone has genius. Everyone can be a leader. Change starts with me. Our job is to not control the kids, but to empower them to lead their own learning. Our job is not to educate the academic child, but to educate the whole child, partnering with parents. And we just kind of uh, codified these paradigms and then taught them and made it part of Leader and Me. And, and after that, we immediately felt a difference. So being explicit about the paradigms is important because, again, back to Stephen's quote, nothing changes behavior as fast as seeing things differently. I love that, Sean. There's a couple of things that I'm just holding on to really tight. This idea that we articulate for sure our paradigms. And I also heard you say that we, you can feel a paradigm shift. It's something that you feel when you walked into AB Combs. There was a feeling of something different. So it's, yes, it's that articulation, but we, we can feel when that paradigm shift happens. And the other piece is, Paradigms don't happen through osmosis, right? So we have an opportunity as teachers to teach paradigms and to be explicit about highly effective paradigms. Those two things, the idea of feeling it and that we get an opportunity to explicitly teach the power of paradigms is really, it opens up so many opportunities, which I want to ask. So how do our paradigms impact our students? You gave a couple of of examples from A.B. Combs, but for our teachers, really listening in, you know, the question, how do our paradigms impact students? Well, it's hard to hide them. If you view certain students a certain way, or if you have some biases towards them, you can't hide them. <laughs> so it comes through in a hundred ways, right? How you feel about somebody. And so, you know, developing the paradigm of saying, do I really believe that every one of my children in my class have genius? Do I really believe that everyone here can be a leader? They've got some gift and talent that they can lead in. I think if we think about it hard enough, I think everyone in the end would say yes. Oftentimes, we have um, outside paradigms come in real strongly. You know, there's only a few people that can really be leaders. They're nat- You're born or that way or you're not. But I think uh, as a teacher, I think it's just so important that you examine your paradigms. I mean, that's one of the great things about being a human is we have self-awareness. We can stand apart from ourselves, pull a pair of glasses off our face and look at them and say, hmm, these are the paradigms I've had of people in general, or these are the paradigms I've had of this class in general, or this kid in general, and examine them and say, is this accurate? Do I have some bias in this or something getting in the way of me seeing this child the right way? Because how you view that student will be communicated. Quick story. And I've told this before, Molly, and forgive me if you're a listener and have heard this, but it's just how I experienced it myself with my own son. I have a son, Nathan, who as a young child had tremendous social anxiety. He could barely go to school. He went every other day during kindergarten and first grade. In second grade, I got him to play baseball reluctantly. We got to practice the first time and he was so afraid when he saw the other players and the coach that he fell on the grass and he played dead. 
and he wouldn't get off the ground until practice was over. I remember developing a, without really knowing it, I'd, I'd call it a limiting paradigm of my son, where I saw him as he's going to struggle, he's going to be insufficient. And um, in retrospect now, I can see I was communicating that insufficiency to him in a hundred ways, right? Without even knowing I was doing that. But one day I had an experience where I was at a football game and I got really mad at him for kicking the seat in front of him because the guy was getting mad at me and he kept kicking. <laughs> and I swallowed his arm and I told him to just stop it in a real mean voice. And I had one of those epiphanies where I felt my conscience speak to me and basically condemn me <laughs> and say, you have no idea who this boy is. And he, you just wait to see what he can do and how dare you think of him that way. And it was really a powerful experience. I went home and talked with my wife about it. And I said, I'm the problem, I believe. I'm part of the problem is I'm projecting how I feel about him onto him. And it's helping to exacerbate the problem. So we've got to just relax, believe in him, work with him. Well, anyway, long story short, he had an experience one day where he was asked to speak at a leader in me school in front of, this was in fourth grade, in front of a couple hundred people. And he got up and did tremendous. And it was kind of a breakthrough for him. And he, over time, became a really outgoing, gregarious person. And he's in college now, doing great. And his weakness became his strength. I had a complete paradigm shift from kind of that experience I had where I felt guilt <laughs> for getting mad at him. But once I got a different paradigm of him, I communicated that new paradigm in a hundred ways. And and he could feel it. You talk about feeling a paradigm. You can feel it. And I didn't have to force any behavior. It happened naturally because I had this new belief that this guy is going to do great things. Just you wait. Don't ever underestimate the power of a paradigm to naturally, you know, in a very easy way, change your behavior in the right way. John, thank you for sharing that story with us. I can tell you right now <laughs> with a lot of certainty, as teachers, we can 100% connect with what you just shared. I, we unintentionally can, you know, hold limiting paradigms towards ourselves, towards others, especially towards our students. So it's making me think like what holds us back from adopting more effective paradigms? I don't think we think about it enough sometimes, or we stop learning or pride gets in the way or we just get stubborn or we think we see the world accurately. We don't challenge some of the ways we see things. I think this happens a lot with, you mentioned paradigms of ourselves that are limiting. You know, we say things like, you know, I'm just not a morning person or I, I have a bad temper. My, my dad had a bad temper and his dad had a bad temper. This is the way we're built, you know, or I'm not good at math. And so we've got to be so careful sometimes about limiting ourselves and our self-talk can sometimes uh, keep us from expanding our paradigms, getting more accurate ones. Because we can become negative or down on ourselves or we remember things that were said about us years ago by somebody and we allow them to continue to haunt us, right? We don't forgive or forget. I think all these things can get in the way. All of those human, right, moving parts that happen. It, you know, we keep on swirling around in our conversation around like working on our paradigms. So as a teacher, what does that look like on a daily basis? Like what would that, what would those practical and tactical opportunities look like for us as teachers? And then of course, what does it look like for students to work on that on a daily basis? Yeah, well, I think as a teacher, I think um, 
on a daily basis. I think the paradigms of, of a leader and me that we've outlined are really helpful to think about on a regular basis, you know, and, and I have to ask myself these all the time as a parent. I've, I've actually taken the five paradigms of leader and me and, and said, these, these work really good at home. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> true all, story. <laughs> you know, but I think, you know, change starts with me. I want the kids to behave differently. How am I behaving? Right. I want them to be kind. Am I being kind? The idea that everyone can be a leader and you've got a, a student that's acting out, you know, you can say to yourself, well, what is it about this person that where is their leadership ability and how could I unleash that? Because maybe if I can give that some expression, it will help with their behavior. Or the idea of, you know, the paradigm of the whole child. I'm, I'm here not just to help that student learn how to do math, but also I want the student to feel good about him or herself coming out of when they graduate from my class or leave my grade. I look at these all the time. I sometimes want to control things with my kids instead of empower. We just started school and my wife and I decided to every night do a little check-in with the kids, right? And we're going to do a little uh, teaching of some kind. And just yesterday, my wife said, why are we doing this? We're, you know, we're trying to teach them some principle or some idea. Let's have them teach it instead of us doing it every night. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Why didn't I think of that? That's what we do in Leader Me schools. I think keeping these in front of you is a great way to practice it on a daily basis. I think learning shifts paradigms, you know? And so I just think, think seeking learning and, and challenging your own pair of glasses that you're wearing to ask yourself, are these accurate? Is there a better, is there a better lens I could look through? That kind of stuff is helpful. Yeah. It's that reflection piece I'm hearing you saying, I'm just visually like imagining in a classroom, a teacher could have these five core paradigms, just like we do the habits of highly effective people. They're up visually for our students, the power of having the paradigms up for our students. And maybe we take a 30 second paradigm check, right? And let's check our paradigm. Does it align to the results we want? Is it, is it providing us, you know, the best learning space for us right now? Just getting students in that routine of checking their paradigm and checking, you know, leadership is for everyone is what I'm doing right now. Does it align to that? And even just calling it a paradigm pause. Let's pause for a moment and let's reflect on the paradigm we're working out of right now. Just something so simple that could have so much power behind it for our teachers. This is a question I've been dying to ask you. I get this a lot from our schools and I would love for them to hear from you because we know, you know, from my experience as an educator, I believe that paradigms are contagious. Um, one way or the other. So how does a teacher who has a teammate or a parent who is working from that limiting paradigm not fall into that same way of thinking? You start with the idea that to change a relationship, a conversation that's headed a certain direction, all it takes is one person to get started. So think win-win, for example. It takes one person to start it. And then the other person will tend to, to run along with it. I think it's just something to be aware of is that it can, it can start with me. I can change this. I don't have to run with where this is headed with this student or with this parent. You know, again, I think the, the, the habits provide such a good framework because you start with think win-win. I want to succeed and I want them to win too. I care about both of us, right? Now I need to have influence with that person. They're seeing the world differently. They have, they have a paradigm I don't like or accept. I'm not going to assume I'm, I understand. So I'm going to seek first to understand. That's how I have influence. 
before I share my point of view, I'm going to seek first to understand theirs. And inevitably, you'll see things you didn't see before when you listen with the intent to understand, not to reply. And when you see differently, you'll feel differently. They'll feel that. They'll feel that you've been influenced. And then they'll be open to your influence. You know, and then you get into habit six, synergy. And because you have mutual understanding, you can now have a different platform to work from where you can come up with solutions you'd never thought of before. So it's, it's kind of a formula that always works is I have a paradigm of I care about you, I care about me, win-win. I'm going to influence you by listening to you first. And then I know you'll be open to my influence. And then we can come up with ideas we both feel good about, which is synergy. So it's, I think it's just a great uh, framework to always put challenges through anytime you're dealing with another person. And you can just see the opposite, how, you know, if, if you're thinking win-lose, I got to win this argument because they're wrong and I'm right. Or if you seek first to be understood, seek first to talk and then talk some more, you know, that's not going to go anywhere. It's what you see on of our TV political shows now. No one's listening to each other when they talk anymore, right? And then you can never get to common ground. And the reality is we all have, there's so much more common ground out there than we think. But because we fail to listen and think win-win, we don't discover it. So that would be my, my thought on that, Molly. I love that, Sean. When we see differently, we feel differently. And when we feel differently, we do differently. I love that. Thank you for jumping into this space of bringing the power of paradigms to light, especially in the work that we do as teachers. Sean, you know what comes next. (laughs) It's our what would Sean do segment. Just to review, it's quick responses. We just want you to share your words of wisdom with us. Are you ready? Yeah. What do you do when you find yourself in a place of imbalance? Go to bed early, get up early. That that puts that sets things right really fast. And I once read an article of a gentleman, a great leader, who said, it, "When everything's really bad in your life and you want to fix things, try going to bed at ten thirty and getting up at six thirty for one week and watch watch what happens." Simplicity, right? Sometimes we overthink and make things complicated. I love that. What do you do on a daily basis to come back to your why? I have a daily private victory. I get up early. I exercise. I read and study and think about the day. It usually takes an hour and it sets me up to succeed for the whole day. Love that. I love that. Okay. What paradigm shifts have you had that deeply impacted your professional life? I'll tell you about one big one I had. I was at a um, leadership training class and they asked the question, can you know write down a leader who's really made a difference in your life? And suddenly it hit me, wait a minute, what do other people say about me? <laughs> Am I, am I a good leader? Yeah. Um, and it just really struck me that, geez, you know, maybe I'm not the leader that I want to be. And so I've since then just said, you know, I, I hope I can be the kind of leader that when someone's asked that question at a leadership seminar, they would think of me, you know, who's a leader that made a difference in your life. And so that was a paradigm shift for me. Well, I will tell you from firsthand experience, when I think of leadership, I certainly think of Sean Covey. Sean, thank you for your wisdom and always shining the light um, for us as educators. Everyone will be right back with some more greatness from Sean in just a moment. One of my most frequent questions from schools is around aligning leader and me with other school and district initiatives. 
I'm Maria Fleming, a leader in me coach and consultant in Missouri and Iowa. And I often direct people to the featured collections tab on leaderinme.com, which really helps to make these connections. In particular, the featured collection for MTSS does a great job of connecting Leader in Me resources with your school support systems for both behavior and academics. Check it out on leaderinme.com. Welcome to the Paradigm Pause. In our conversation today, Sean pushes our thinking to move beyond just the behaviors we see in our students and into the paradigms we hold around what we believe about our students. Our paradigms unravel the story of our behaviors, and knowing whether our paradigms are abundant will support us in tapping into the potential for ourselves and for our students. Sean's simple recipe of pause, connect, and reflect creates a space for us to better understand how we see impacts how we feel, and how we feel impacts what we do. It's in this space where we can course correct and adjust our paradigms to maximize the potential of all students. Paradigms are not about doing, they're a way of thinking and envisioning the possibilities that are beyond what is right in front of us. Welcome back, everyone. We always end our podcast episode with one doable action step or strategy that you, the empowering teacher, can take right back to the classroom. So Sean, keeping our focus on embracing the power of the paradigm, what's one thing our teachers can do today that will have a big impact and influence with their students? Check your self-talk. So often we see things, we feel things. And in our mind, we repeat words like, I hate Mondays, or this kid drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And when you say it in your mind, or even out loud, but even in your mind, it has an effect. Yeah, it just gets you going, the momentum goes that direction. Mm -hmm. And so I have to do this all the time, I just have to check my talk and say, No, no, that's not true. Mondays are fine. (laughs) Maybe not my favorite, but they're fine. And this kid's got lots of energy. So that would be my thought on that is uh, self-talk is a powerful device and we need to sometimes corral it and direct it. I love that. That self-talk reveals our paradigms and it also can shape our paradigms. And teachers, I could see that being a chant that goes in our classroom for our paradigm pause. Check yourself. Check yourself. Sean, (laughs) that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing your genius with us today. And of course, a big thank you to our listeners. Keep shining. You've got this.